Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Hello, friends. Freaking cold outside. Oh, so damn cold. And you know what else? <laughs> Buffalo is getting shit on again today. Two to four feet of snow by Friday. That sucks. So bad. Tell tell everybody about what happened today to, with our colleague. And I, I guess we won't name names. Are we not naming names? Because he kind of put it on Facebook. I won't name Daryl. Uh, <laughs> no, it was Daryl. Daryl's a great guy. He's uh, one of the hosts on our rock station across the hall, 107.5 Dave Rocks. And Daryl came into work today and he actually seemed a little stunned. Because yesterday, he left a Yeti in his car. Open Yeti. Like, picture, no lid, open Yeti. Well, he got in his car this morning and went to take a swig of that water. Was that, it water, by the way? Because wouldn't it have been frozen? I question this whole situation, by the way. The would, whole situation. The only thing that convinces me it was water and not vodka is that it froze. So, <laughs> Daryl went to take a swig of his Yeti today. And let's all keep in mind, Yetis are metal. We all understand how this works. If you stick your tongue to something metal, this cold out, it's going to stick. Just like the movie A Christmas Story. Wouldn't you know his tongue got stuck to the Yeti? Like, legit stuck. I feel bad for him because that's embarrassing. A, it's embarrassing, right? If that happens, you automatically realize, oh, yeah, I should have known better. And then B, he, like us, talks for a living. So you got to be really careful when it comes to stuff like this. And you think, I'm going to take the smart approach and go get me some warm water, which will help to just melt this off my face. That's all you need, right? That's all you need. A little bit of warm water. It'll break the contact between the metal and your tongue and you're good. So I guess he chose to not do that. And he opted to instead give it a yank. Yeah. Gross. And his face doesn't feel so good right now. It's stuck. 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 He won't do that again. No, don't. And by the way, why was it? Where's the lid? That's why they have the lids on them. The lids keep you keep you from doing stuff like that, even if it's freezing cold temperatures. Well, and anyone who's, by the way, in construction right now using those mugs will tell you that too. Well, let me ask you: If the Yetis are so good at keeping hot things hot and cold things cold, better than we've ever had, the best technology out there, Stanley Yeti, they all do it. Sure. Will it keep water? from freezing if it's in a lid and the lid's closed? That's a good question. I am happy to maybe experiment that, but I have a feeling maybe it does. Maybe it does. Maybe it does do a good job of doing that because it's supposed to keep the temperature as is. Yeah. I mean, that's the job of it. So maybe it does. Maybe that's the reason why there's still a little water left in there. Why are those Stanley mugs so popular, by the way? Is it just because of the colors? It's it's because... it seems to be girls that want them more than guys. Influence. It's just influence. This is a thing... You're cool if you have one. I mean, it's smart. Again, I mean, look, we talked about the Stanley. 
cup mug already uh, on the pod, but it is brilliant. Like if you look at the history, this is a over century year old company over 110 years and they put out these tumblers and it was a small little like marketing idea. Like, yeah, let's just put out some a variety of colors, but they always targeted males. They were always targeting males and they decided, man, maybe we'll get a couple females, but the smart, they were about to stop making them altogether. They were about to stop making the colored tumblers. Can you imagine? But what happened was they were smart and thought, ah, with what's left over, let's give it to some influencers and see what happens. Um, one group in particular, there's these women online and the name of their website, I forget, but they really helped to launch it. They show people, hey, look, this tumbler's amazing. It keeps things cold, cold. It keeps hot, hot, blah, blah, blah. And look at the cute array of colors. And it blew up after that. Like it was like, oh, that is cute. I want one that looks like that. I want this color at peach. I want this whatever turquoise one. And next thing you know, they couldn't even keep them on the shelves. They couldn't even keep up with the demand. There's still people on a waiting list to get Stanleys. There's hundreds of thousands of people waiting for their Stanleys. It's nuts, but it's also pretty amazing. Let's talk a little sports before we get to today's latest Loblaw controversy. That's coming up in seconds. Last night, Austin Matthews scored again, 34th of the season, 333rd of his career. He's now fourth of all time on the Leaf scoring list, right behind Dave Keon, Daryl Sittler, and Matt Sundin. Austin Matthews has 333 goals. He's less than 100 from first place, which is occupied by Matt Sundin. I think he's going to do it. He might even do it in the next two seasons, which would be huge. All-time greatest goal scorer for the Maple Leafs. Great. But they've now lost four in a row with one of the highest payrolls in hockey. And I think a lot of people are wondering how long until Sheldon Keefe gets fired or how long until Brendan Shanahan gets fired. Would they really fire Sheldon Keefe after they just signed him to a three-year contract extension? Do you cut your losses and say, this isn't working. We made a mistake. We should have never signed you for this much money. So we'll eat the loss for the next three years, but you're gone. Or do you ride it out and just hope that things will change? What would you do if you were in charge? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. I have no idea anymore. There's things I say should happen and then they don't, or they do things. And I think, okay, that was actually a good choice. I can't imagine. I don't even know where to begin in, in trying to figure out what they're thinking. No idea. Well, they better fucking figure it out. Cause it's getting real annoying that they've got one of the best lineups on paper. One of the highest payrolls in hockey. This is the hockey Mecca of the world. And these guys can't string together a couple of wins in a row. They've lost four straight. And some of those were winnable games. They were up two nothing last night. You can tell I'm a little pissy because it's games out west. I got to stay up late to watch them. So I go to bed angry and ah, fuck. I know. I don't like that. I hate the late games. Let's just normalize the early stuff, please. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about Loblaw. We got really good feedback on that. I heard from a lot of people that were experiencing a similar sentiment to mine that they've just had enough. Just enough of the games. It's just such a slap in the face. Ah, we could, and we used to give you 50% off, but ah, we'll make it 30% off. Now I hear, by the way, the Competition Bureau is going to investigate that because it almost seems like discount fixing. Part of the reason that Loblaw says they're going to reduce it from 50 to 30% discount is because that's what their competitors do. More proof that competition in the industry would make things better for everybody we need to get more grocery chains here. But we'll not talk about that today. We'll talk about the other reason that Loblaw is in the news in a little more depth than we did yesterday. Reports say Loblaw has been pushing the province of Ontario for legal changes that would allow them to get into the pot business. Hmm. According to internal government documents, Loblaw held meetings with Ford government officials, including the Attorney General's office, to request a change about how the weed market in Ontario works. 
Part of the Loblaws pitch to the province included scrapping the government regulation that restricts the sale of cannabis inside stores where other items such as snacks and chocolate could be available for purchase. In other words, they don't just want a license. They want a license for just about any store they can, probably at least one in every city. And they want the entire framework of the rules changed to accommodate them. Right now, Loblaw would not be able to carry cannabis because they sell food and snacks and things like that. And as practical as it would be to be able to buy your snacks and food in the same place as you buy your pot, they also sell alcohol. And that's something that apparently is strictly forbidden. Can't have alcohol sold where cannabis is sold. They want the whole thing changed to accommodate them. What's scary is they might even get it. I mean, who knows, right, with the government that we have. I just feel like this is such a, I want my I want my cake, I want to eat it too, and I want to f-, f anybody else in the process and everyone else in the process. I think of all of the places who can sell weed, okay? There's a lot of cities out there that do sell weed. There are some that still don't, by the way, so what would happen there? Because they're afraid of the crime they're it's going to bring in. So I think of all the cities that do. I mean, I live in a city that has a pot shop. I'm almost around every corner, and I'm not even kidding you. Probably every every block that has a lot of amenities, I mean, will have a pot shop, if not multiple. And there's a lot of plazas uh, who do do have a Loblaws location in them, and then they also have that mom-and-pop shop. And I'm feeling for those people because the convenience factor would be there for, let's say this does go through, the convenience factor would be there for people to say, yeah, I'm going to buy my, you know, my milk and eggs, bread. I'm going to get my lotto ticket over here, buy a bottle of wine, and oh, there's the weed. I'm just going to go ahead and buy it here because why would I walk outside and go all the way over here? So that's a shame because there's a lot of people whose livelihood depends on us going into those pot shops and who follow the rules, who did everything right up until like now. They're doing everything right and that they should be and everything's all closed off so you can't see in the stores. And then you have a company like Loblaws who already has like an insane amount of money that just wants to like, sw- to me, it's like a, just a big beast trying to swallow up everything. Like yeah. what else do you want to fucking sell? Well, like calm down Loblaws. I, I, and I shop at Loblaws. I do. I, I, I have, and, and I will probably continue to here and there do it. And I collect PC points and all the nine. Okay. So I'm not to say that I boycott them in any way, shape or form, but I find it really frustrating that we have a company that's trying to have rules bent for them it just goes to show you the power that they believe they have and if they believe they have that much power how much power do they really have behind the scenes i'm curious i'm very curious too because galen weston is a very rich individual and obviously well connected if he can say i want something and the fucking attorney general's office steps up and says come on in for a meeting that's that's weird uh Lobla, in my estimation has done nothing but show contempt for the public They refuse to be transparent, like we said yesterday. They seem to want their cake and eat it too, to use your term, which is absolutely spot on. They don't seem to be doing anything to try and help out Canadians who are struggling with grocery prices. And fine, I mean, they're a private business. I guess they're allowed to do whatever they want to do. But this is one of those companies that has taken taxpayer money to upgrade their shops. They have done a lot of things that give us a reason to have a say in this. If we... Maybe I should just put this out there as a warning for anyone at Queen's Park who may be coming up with a bad idea. If you guys change the rules to accommodate Loblaw in this, there's only two possible outcomes. Number one, it will be a massive public backlash like you've never seen. You're also going to see a lot of the mom and pop shops go out of business. And if that's what you guys are actually ultimately up to, 
because you're allowing the big chains to open up even more stores. Maybe they do want the little guys squashed. I don't know. That's certainly the way they acted during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Where all the big box stores got to open up, but all the mom and pop shops had to stay closed. That's right. They've taken enough of a hit. Yeah. And, and it was the government that did it to them. If you guys allow Loblaw to get the rules changed so that they can sell pot in there and go back on everything that you've told us needed to be this way all these years, you're going to wear it. And, and it will be part of your legacy, and people are going to hate it. In fact, they're going to be extremely angry if you guys do it. Or you could totally level the playing field. If you are going to allow that for Loblaw, then you better strip off every fucking regulation that's on cannabis right now. And I mean all of them. Get the paper off the windows so that they can be treated like a normal business that pays taxes and employs people. Get that paper off. And let them sell whatever they want. Yeah. You know, if Loblaw wants to sell pot along with Doritos and chips and salsa and, and everything else, maybe we should allow the pot shops to cut into their oh, territory and start selling groceries. We can't do this any other way. If this happens, you can't do this any other way because it is so unfair to those pot shops. It really is. So I, I really, I, I almost, I just hope this whole thing doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't go through. Stick to selling food. That's what you're supposed to do. Sell food and drink. And fine, you could sell wine, beer. It's convenient for most people. And it's also the government that has the that has the fucking monopoly on that shit anyway. So fine, sell your wine, beer, but stick to the damn food. And you got your drugstore and you got the clothes. I mean, at what point is Lava's trying to be like a one-stop shop yep. thing? Is that what it is? They want to go toe-to-toe with Walmart. I mean, it's money, right? Yep. It's all, uh, we all know it's about money. But, man, when you're hurting other people and other businesses, it's it sucks. Well, that's the other thing. I'm sure you've done it. I mean, everybody, not just you, Kat. Mixed alcohol with cannabis, you know it is a very different reaction than just straight-up alcohol Do or not. just straight-up cannabis. Do not recommend. Not recommended, no. But as it is right now, you cannot buy cannabis where you can buy alcohol. Right. If Loblaw is granted permission to do this, take away their liquor license. Yeah. No alcohol at all. Yeah. Make them pick one or the other. Or, and I'll say it again, let the private pot shops sell booze. You've got to make it fair. If you guys screw little businesses again in favor of these big conglomerates, especially one, like I said, that's acted borderline contemptuous toward the Canadian people, then that's just wrong. And and I really don't think it's going to end well for you guys if you try that shit. So just my unsolicited advice to everyone at Queens Park, if you're getting a bad idea or you got a little bribe from Galen and his crew, you better look the other way. Don't even think about doing this. We have new uh, graphic images on our cigarette packages here, Kat. Oh, we do? We we, we upgrade them? <laughs> well, I didn't know this, but they haven't updated the images that were on cigarette packages since 2012. And when they got updated in 2012, that was the first update since they were required back in 2001. Hmm. It's been 23 years of those gross pictures really? on cigarette packages. And I'll say the same thing I I'll say the same thing here today, January 17th, 2024, that I said back in 2001. It doesn't work. You can put them on there, and that's fine, but it really doesn't work. In fact, the new packages of cigarettes look a little like a NASCAR. You you get this gross picture and what do we got here? A green and black toe that has gangrene. 
Uh, neck yeah. and stomach cancer, a bulging lump coming off of someone's tongue. They've come up with the grossest, worst examples of smoking possible. That's what they did. And they say it's to help people quit. Newsflash that doesn't help people quit. In fact, once they've seen it, they'll probably acknowledge it's gross. Everybody who looks at it can say it's gross. It's in one ear and out the other. So I really don't know why we're still doing this. <laughs> I think you're grossing, you're grossing out the non-smokers because I'm like, yeah, that sounds awful. But I mean, yeah, people are still buying it. Uh, that said, it's down, though. I was just reading this report. I just pulled it up because I wanted to make sure I got this right. But World Health Organization uh, dropped a new report yesterday that says it is on the decline in Canada. Uh, an estimated 1.25 billion people age 15 and older, though, or one in five people on the planet used tobacco in 2022, down from 1.36 billion people. So that is a, a pretty big decline from 2000, by the way. It was the last time that they did this overall kind of survey. Maybe that's accurate. I personally... Does it mean that it's because of the pictures? Probably not. No. I think that what we do here in Canada probably just has people not buying it. Nobody could see it. And yeah. sometimes when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. I, I guess so. I mean, I, I think that and what I was going to say is I don't actually trust a word out of the World Health Organization. I, I learned too much during COVID about how they operate and what their goals are. And <laughs> I'm not interested in anything the World Health Organization has to say. I, I'm curious, too. I want to discuss at one point the disease X thing that's oh, yeah, we being, can do dis- that. being discussed in Switzerland today. Well, the... Uh, Uh, The World Health Organization, very closely tied to the World Economic Forum, who is having their annual meetings right now in Davos. I will play a little bit of that for you in in just a few minutes. Awesome. However, the the smoking thing, the pictures, I I personally smoked for a very long time. I don't know a single person who quit because of those images. Because of the images, yeah. I know people who quit smoking because of the cost. Cost is certainly a factor. But again... I don't know what the goal is here from the high taxes that we pay on cigarettes. Is it to make people quit or is it just to you've got a captive audience who's suffering from an addiction and we want to suck as much money out of them as possible? Keep in mind, if smokers were addicted to heroin or opioids, the government would not only give it to them for free, they would test it first and give them a place to use it. And then there'd be kits all over the place in case you fucking overdosed. Cigarettes, you don't get a thing. There's no support. You're just going to pay out the asshole until the government well, you figures you can't pay anymore. You don't overdose on cigarettes. You don't. It's, a little, it's not quite apples to apples, but I hear what you're saying. If I look at the health warnings on the cigarette packages, though, it appears to be a clear and present danger to the lives of smokers, and the government does nothing but profit off of it, and I still think that that's wrong. Jean Chrétien had it right. First thing he did when he was elected prime minister of Canada, he cut the taxes to get rid of the illegal smuggling so that at least the cigarettes out there were the ones that were legal, tested, and met the standards, not the ones that somebody with a big plot of land in southwestern Ontario grows some tobacco and decides to pump out some smokes and make some money. Hmm. In any case, the new packs are there, required to be sold in all retailers by April the 30th. In other words, if on May the 1st you go out and find a pack of cigarettes that doesn't have gangrene on it or something like that, uh, that store could be fined.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk about the World Economic Forum. This is... um. It's kind of a funny one because I feel like there's still people who hear World Economic Forum and instantly go, alert, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. Please understand this is a very real thing. It is an organization. They meet every year in Davos, Switzerland, and they talk about their ideas for the world. Well, it got underway yesterday, and it didn't exactly start on a high note for the person who is in charge of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. I don't know who this speaker is, but this is what happened yesterday. And I appreciate the World Economic Forum providing me the opportunity to be on this stage and say, fuck you, Klaus Schwab, and fuck your new world order. We, the people, were born free. We will stay free. And you and all of your globalist friends, including everyone in this room, can go fuck yourself. Connection lost. They cut away from it. I'm sure they did. They cut away. It's crazy. Well, this is okay. So they they got together to, to discuss this disease X, which is totally hypothetical. It's a hypothetical scenario. But I think some people just saw the headline of they're discussing disease X, which could be, have hold twenty times more time times the fatalities than the COVID nineteen pandemic. Blah blah. Hey, listen, it's always good to be prepared. I think for anything, right? We prepare for disaster. We prepare for. I guess why not a pandemic, right? I think one of the reasons why it was such a shit show in the beginning of COVID is because we weren't pre- prepared. So I'm all for doing that. But what a scary thought that they're that they're just discussing it. Well, I mean, it's now confirmed that COVID did not come from a wet market in Wuhan. It was actually lab created. Still a lot of questions about whether or not it was actually created in Canada. Mm-hmm. We still don't know what the hell happened with those Chinese scientists that got fired and deported shortly after COVID dropped. We don't know what happened there. And, and the origins of COVID, since we now know that it came from a lab, Was it intentionally leaked? Were we attacked? Was it an accident? That, I guess, we don't know. But it it totally set the entire world on a different trajectory right toward where the World Economic Forum, part of their mandate here is they want a one-world government, globalists by definition. So when they get together at these meetings, they all sit around and talk, and yeah, they're talking about disease x or virus x or whatever it's going to be if they've created it yet i'm not sure but either way they <laughs> they I, I believe that i know i know they they really i get it i get it no where's the trust no i don't think anyone fully trusts anything right well they've uh, you're right they are now discussing their agenda and again this is an organization that they would like to have a global say in the same way now that we have our regional governments like yeah ottawa makes the decisions about 
vaccines and they make decisions about air travel and regulate the food and stuff. Your municipal government, your local government is the one that takes care of potholes on the road and local transit and things like that. Mm -hmm. They would essentially like our national governments to be like municipal governments, but all the shots, the big ones that affect all of us would be called at a world level, probably the United Nations. So they got together, they get together every year and they do their proposals. I'm going to play a little bit of what was being discussed yesterday, their vision of a new world order. That order seems to know, know, uh, not be uh, the order anymore. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Uh, do you agree with that, or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order to bring into a new world order, and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back and we rather uh, have an order based on international law and the principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades. I guess and maybe this is the, the old um, kind of teacher in me coming out. I think of this a little bit more about a transition of eras rather than a transition of orders, but the two are kind of cousins of one another. The reason I draw the distinction is because I don't think the international order built after 1945 is getting replaced wholesale with some new order. Um, it will obviously evolve as it, as it has evolved multiple times over the decades since 1945. But I do think in a, in a more sharp and distinctive way, we are moving into a new era. And that's what I talked about in my remarks, that we are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. We're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. And at the heart of it will be many of the core principles and core institutions of the existing order adapted uh, for the challenges that we face today. And I mean, that's the goal. They would like, uh, for example, the World Health Organization would be the one that would make the decisions about lockdowns and, and not just for, for uh, people that they govern, but for the entire world, i.e. the World Health Organization would say, you know what, we've got disease X here or COVID again circulating in America, lockdown, lockdown in Canada, lockdown in Saudi Arabia, whatever. They would essentially be the global body that makes these decisions. And that's part of the reason that there's been some calls on the federal stage to pull right out of the World Health Organization and possibly even get out of the UN. Because if this new world order is introduced, this is essentially how things would run. The UN would essentially replace our federal government. And there's a lot of people who don't like that globalist agenda. That's part of the reason that people are starting to get as angry as they are. And part of the reason that there are so many protests happening in Europe I don't know if you've been following what's going on in Germany and Poland and France, but we had the Freedom Convoy. Is that three years ago now? I think it was two years. I feel like it was years? probably at least a couple of years ago, yeah. They've got something similar happening, but on a much bigger scale. Tens of thousands of farmers and truckers and so on protesting in their capitals because they've caught on to what's going on here in Davos and they don't want that to happen. And, and people are starting to wake up to that. I think it's great. Personally, we'll... Uh, We'll see where it goes, but whatever comes out of the World Economic Forum, I have a feeling is not going to be my cup of tea. But it's good that it's at least being shared online. People are watching it. They're paying attention. They're engaged, mm -hmm. and we'll see where it goes. Uh, tomorrow is the deadline for businesses to repay their SIBA loans, Cat, And so far, 
the federal government has not come out and extended the deadline again. So let me ask you what you would do if you were in charge of Canada right now. You've got all these businesses during COVID that were offered a loan, $60,000. And if you repay the loan, you can keep $20,000. You only have to repay $40,000 if you pay it back by the deadline, which is tomorrow. A lot of businesses, particularly restaurants and places like that, a lot of mom and pop shops that don't have multiple franchises. They're freaking out right now because they don't have the money to repay it. And if they don't repay it by tomorrow, then they owe another $20,000. And it looks like that is going to be the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back and what's going to push them out of business. Now, to the federal government's credit, they've already extended this deadline twice. Yeah. Should we stick to the deadline or should we say, you know what? Not only did we put you guys through hell for three years, that loan was the least we could do. Yes, you do have to pay it back, but we'll extend the deadline to even the end of this year, July 1st. Give them a little bit of time. Would you give them the extension or is a third extension a little ridiculous? I mean, (laughs) I want to say yes, because I'm trying to be kind because businesses I know are struggling so bad right now. would Would it matter for those businesses? Would it matter for those businesses? Are they still going to shut down regardless of what they owe? Remember I told you like way back when, when the CERB was first being released, I have a friend that works for the CRA. And my friend told me all of this shit was going to happen. Knew that so many people, businesses, because she works with the business side, so many of these businesses receive shit that shouldn't have received stuff. And and they're going, oh, this is great. Yeah, money, money. Don't say anything. She made initial phone calls. She was on the team that basically made the initial phone calls like, look, you got this. You can't actually have it. We're just giving you a heads up with your taxes. You're going to find out this, that you're going to have to pay it back by tax time. And that was like, I guess, deadline one, maybe at the time. I'm not sure. And so many of them were like, well, no, it's mine now. Like a finder's keepers. And she's like, these these people are like the government is coming for your money. Don't be mistaken. They will find ways to get it. So the fact that they were, that they even gave all these delayed times to say, okay, deadlines uh, stretch till here, deadlines, surprises me. So I don't think they would be willing to do it again. But of course, the part of me that wants these, the, tr- the businesses who truly did nothing wrong, you know, and, and just want to survive, I want to say yes. But you did have enough time. You probably got a call. You probably ignored the letters. You weren't supposed to have that money. So where do we draw a line here between common sense and human compassion. I don't know what the answer is, but for me, you did have time. You did know. And there's a good chance you were indicated very early on. And you probably ignored it thinking they were going to just ignore you as a small business. They don't ignore shit. I don't know if we'll ever know the full extent of how badly the taxpayers got ripped off with that money. And and this is not a critique of the federal government. They did what they had to do. People needed money. They were shutting the country down. The least they could do was give people this little bit of money, their own money, by the way, because the government doesn't actually have any money. For those who don't know, the only money they have is what we give them. So they gave the CERB to some people. We know other people saw an opportunity to get an easy two grand, four grand, six, eight, ten, twelve grand, and they took it. And I think there was a general hope that the government would just give an amnesty and say, ah, it's okay if you screwed us over. But they are going after people. You're right. And they're going after people hard, as they should. I read the rules. I would have loved to have had an extra two grand, but I held on to my job during the pandemic, thank God, and and I didn't lose any money. Mm-hmm. What I do find particularly frustrating about that is 
We'll never know the full extent of how badly we got ripped off. Just today, a story broke that the husband of a liberal member of parliament got caught taking CERB when he wasn't allowed to. And this is a person or a couple where she works in Ottawa. She was gainfully employed during the pandemic, shutting other people down. And they own rental properties in Hamilton and Grimsby. There was absolutely no gray area here. This person did not deserve to get the CERB, but they got the CERB. Well, now he has to repay it. I think there should be fraud charges for people who knowingly filed for CERB and shouldn't have claimed it. I'm glad we're going back and tracking it, but I still feel like there should be something in here for the people who didn't get anything during COVID. There's a lot of us, myself included. I remember that time after time. You didn't get anything because you didn't have kids, like little kids. Yep. Uh, You didn't get anything because this. Yes. And there are certain people that that are and and the middle class or there's a certain I don't even want to say the middle class, I guess. In that case, it was like uh, different groups of people who just got completely looked over. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't have young kids. I do have children, but they're not younger. So all the provincial shit that was to go out and buy tech and buy school supplies, hire a fucking tutor and all that sort of shit. Yeah, okay, whatever. You probably bought an Xbox game and uh, (laughs) and thanks. You're welcome from the taxpayers, uh, except for those people who truly did use it for what it was intended for. But they sent out that money. I didn't get any of it. CERB went out. I didn't get any of that. I just certainly didn't get any SIBA business loans or anything like that. Some of us did nothing but work our balls off mm-hmm. and pay our taxes as we should, only to watch that tax money get funneled out over here and over there. And if it was just going to people, I could probably live with it. But we wasted so much. I mean, when you think about all of the vaccines that we bought and then threw out because they expired because we bought so many of them. When you think about the millions that were spent developing that ArriveCan app, now as it turns out, ArriveCan was planned long before COVID. This is something that they had planned to introduce for a long time. They hired a company that apparently did almost no work. They subcontracted it out, and it's a pretty basic program to begin with, Mm -hmm. and they charged the taxpayers millions. There's going to be a public inquiry over that one. It's just the amount of waste, And, and the reason that I'm really harping on the waste right now is because... Just yesterday, inflation numbers came out and they were up again. Again. So because the December inflation numbers were up, not down, now they're saying, well, the Bank of Canada is probably not going to be lowering interest rates anytime soon because inflation's not under control. A lot of this has to do with government spending. We spent so much. We had to print so much money during COVID because of this. We got ourselves into generational debt and beyond. And I didn't get a fucking thing out of it. Not a thing. Nobody, or there's a lot of people that didn't get a thing out of it, Mm -hmm. but we overspent, we got, became victims of fraud because there were so many people taking money that they weren't entitled to. Even employees at the CRA in the hundreds lost their job because they found out they tried to claim it when they, they were the ones administering it. They thought they could get away with it and steal money from the taxpayers. So we wasted a lot of money. That's created a dire situation right now where because inflation is high, our interest rates are crazy high. Uh, Interest rates now are roughly where they were this time last year. So I'll say it again. Raising interest rates is not going to fight this type of inflation. And the last point I'll make on it is if they don't lower the interest rate soon, it's going to become catastrophic because there's so many families that are just barely getting by and if they lowered interest rates now it would actually help lower inflation because one of the driving contributors to that inflation i think it was 3.4 percent up from 3.1 percent 
Rent and housing is a major contributor to inflation. That's part of the reason that it, uh, inflation is as high as it is, is because of the interest rates. So if they lower the interest rates, wouldn't that help bring down inflation? I know they don't see it that way, but that's what common sense would say to the regular person. If inflation is being driven by high interest rates, then lower interest rates and make everybody happy. I don't think they want to do it, and I'm not exactly sure why they don't want to do it, but the only thing I can think of is the banks are just making too much money, and these decisions are made by bankers who directly benefit. I think it's stealing. I I think that these high interest rates is just taking money from people's pockets after they gave people the assurance that interest rates would stay low for the foreseeable future, and then they did this. It's wrong. Um, Here's the scenario, Kat. You're driving on the highway, and there's a crash in front of you. Are you that person who's going to stop and help? Are you going to call 911 or are you just going to figure, yep, somebody else will call 911. I've got places to go. (laughs) I obviously I would love to help in whatever way that means. So, and it also depends on what the scenario is. If I'm driving down, uh, you know, the highway and I see a collision and it's blocking live lanes and it's a pretty bad crash. uh, I could, as long as I can safely pull off to the side um, even if I can't safely pull off the side, either way, I'm calling 911. Like minimum. I don't care if there's other people around and I'm going to assume that other people call 911. It never hurts. Even if there's multiple 911 calls, it's an emergency. You're not going to get in trouble if Joe next to you also called 911. So I'm calling 911 at a bare minimum. If it's like middle of the night or, or like when we come into work at like 4 5 o'clock in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. If I saw something and there's no one around, absolutely I'm going to stop and make sure that person's okay. If someone spins out, if someone's in a ditch, I'm going to do my best. And like I said, if it doesn't seem safe, if I don't feel safe to stop or to get out of the car, I'm still calling 911. I'm still making emergency services aware that they're there. I saw a car spun out off the highway. It was on the 401 yesterday when I was driving home. This car spun out. It did a full 360 and then slid off the road, down into the ditch, and ended up perpendicular to the highway, right up against some trees in the forest. I was going in the other direction. I would have had to drive, say, six or seven kilometers one way to get on the bridge and come back around. It, It didn't make sense for me to stop. I did call the police, though, to let them know, and I think that that's the least we can do if we see somebody end up in that situation. Uh, The reason it came up on our radio show today is because Hulk Hogan. Where's the Hulkster been? He got married recently, I believe. Yeah, he did. He he and his new wife, Skye, and a friend of theirs, Jake, were driving near Tampa on Sunday night. Jake the Snake. Jake Rask. Is that Jake the Snake? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't even know. Is Jake the Snake alive? Wouldn't you love to think what? that all the old wrestlers no that we grew up with still hang, hang out, out together? Yeah, I have no idea. Like there's a retirement home somewhere yeah. with Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake <laughs> should and King be. Kong Bundy. And there should be. That'd be great. So much oil. <laughs> well, uh, Hogan saw this happen and he had a decision to make. Do I stop? Do I call 911? Or do I just keep going? He stopped. And it was a teenage girl that was trapped in the vehicle. Hogan tried to get her free, but he couldn't because the airbag didn't deflate. Mm. So he grabbed a pen and apparently had to stab the shit out of this airbag to get it to go down so that he could get this young girl out of the car. It's a messy situation, too. You ever seen a deployed airbag, been a part of that situation? A lot of powdery grossness happening just in the air. It's real gross. I was wondering about that. From what I hear, it's not a pleasant experience when an airbag goes no. off. It's not exactly designed for comfort. It'll save your life. No. But it's not exactly a nice scene. I don't know if it's because they need to use whatever the heck that is that's inside there to 
keep it, right? Because when you think about how old some cars are, they still have airbags that by all means should work, but they're old as fuck. So they, <laughs> I think that that's the reason why they coat these things in, in like whatever that powder is. And anyone who's had an airbag deployed knows. My husband got into an accident many moons ago. The airbag went off. And the smell, even the smell of the powder, it's like this weird, because it's all bundled up, right? It's all yeah. bundled up behind the either the dash, the wheel, wherever, the however the it worked, the collision. And it's got this weird smoky, ugh, it's gross. Uh, but that's great that he, that he stepped in. And I would expect Hulk Hogan too. Isn't that bad? Like even at his age, I would damn well expect him to step in. 70 now. Yeah. 70 years old. And he went right into danger's way. He did get this girl out. Um, apparently, she was okay uh, once treated by paramedics on the scene. Yeah, it, it was an interesting conversation that we had today. Because it was. I would like to think that anybody would stop and help. But I did get a couple of really interesting texts that made us think today, like, oh, yeah, maybe it isn't always safe to stop and help. As counterintuitive as that sounds to yeah. me, maybe it's not always a good idea. So we had one texter who stops every time and or did stop every single time to help out, and usually it was quite minor. Um, in one instance, she went to go help. She reached the car. The person was deceased, and she kind of went into some detail about what she saw, and it absolutely traumatized her. And uh, think about what our first responders deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? That's just a glimpse of it. So God bless or whatever you believe in, bless those first responders because they stumble upon that all the time. And that would be traumatizing. I think I'd be absolutely traumatized. I was actually talking to uh, a mutual friend of ours who had a friend that was a witness to a car in a ditch, but it had already happened. He saw the car tracks going into the ditch and realized, oh, fuck. That happened in the middle of nowhere. So he pulled over to go see. And a man was deceased in the car. Who knows how long he had been in there. And his feet were up on the dash. And from here forward, he is so traumatized by anyone putting their feet on the dash just from what he had seen. Things like that we've heard. Um, You also have to be careful, apparently, legally. Because if you do anything to cause harm to that person, even though you're trying to help them, and we're talking probably mainly, I'm thinking like head injury, neck injury head situation. Head the worst, yeah. You got to be careful because you think, I'm the hero, I'm going to yank you out of here. In some cases, you can cause way more problems than you were trying to fix, especially if you don't have the experience. If you are not, you know, someone who has been trained properly to pull someone from a car, sometimes it's best not to touch them. Unless you know the issue is, an ankle that's stuck, you know what I mean? Or something that you can visually see that you know for sure is okay. And please, yeah, still help people. I mean, I don't want that to stop people, but there were things I didn't even think of. And and trauma's a bitch, and that'll stay with those people that, that text in. So the person, by the way, who, who witnessed the, the death, the first one I mentioned, said that she does still help people, but she is traumatized to the point where she feels... She needed a little help. And I feel so bad for the first responders that do that every, every day. day. You know what I mean? Every damn day they're there. First line. Uh, as you know, I've got quite a few friends that are police officers and a few of them are in traffic services and, and yeah. I've asked them about it. They don't even want to talk about it and no. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like you can tell that they're fighting something because of what they've seen. Yeah. We are real low on time here. So I'm just going to squeak in a couple of quick things. Uh, the Emmy Awards on Monday reached a record low audience of just over 4 million viewers. 350 million people in America and only 4 million people watched the <laughs> Emmys. 
Get these award shows off TV or get smarter programmers that don't put the fucking Emmys on against Monday Night Football and the Iowa caucuses. It used to be really entertaining. I remember it was like a thing you gathered around and you watched. I feel like the Oscars, for example, will have better ratings. There's a few reasons why I think, especially for the Emmys, number one, there were some football games on that people wanted to see. By all means, I understand. So I think that... I don't know if necessarily that's the same audience that might have watched the Emmys, but perhaps they would have. So there's that. Number two, there's so many fucking shows. Yep. Like, how do you keep up with everything? And when you see what dominated, like if you didn't watch uh, Succession and if you didn't watch The Bear, uh, maybe even like The Morning Show and a couple other shows that were in the mix there, well, why fucking bother if you don't know these people? And I get it because I've been there before. I've seen people from Ted Lasso, which I don't watch up there, and I don't give a shit because I don't even watch the show. But then you start to watch the show. Maybe that's what gets you interested, right? So there's a, la- there's a lack of being able to watch everything. And now everything's on streamers and you can't have everything. So there's that too. And just in general, it was on cable. Yeah. And a lot of people dump their cable. Sure. So I think all of those reasons, they play into that, the, the, the shitty ratings. So I'm one of those people who has dumped cable, but not completely. I still have a basic TV package through Bell 5. So I have Bell 5 internet service. And for like, I don't know, 30 bucks a month, I can watch TV through a fire stick or whatever it is you use to stream stuff on your TV. So I'm essentially streaming. I don't have any cable, but it's the full lineup of cable channels and I'm buying it from a cable company. I do that because if I ever get caught with the IPTV, I can say at least I'm fucking paying for cable. Go after people that aren't. And because I like certain sports, it's going to be a real problem for cable companies if They keep doing this shit where, hey, if you want to watch this Sunday's playoff game, it's only on Peacock. Now, we got around that here in Canada on the weekend because it was also carried on CTV, who has the rights to the NFL in Canada. But in the U.S., there was a lot of pissed off people that the football game they wanted to watch was only available on streaming. Now they're Mm -hmm. doing it with uh, National Lacrosse League stuff. It's on TSN+. Plus. So even though I pay for TSN, I have to pay again to watch certain sports. That kind of shit is just going to make everybody say, you know what? 30 bucks a month to this little underground company here. It's a little shady, but I don't give a shit. I'll spend 30 a month and get 5,000 channels as opposed to spending 50 a month for cable and getting screwed over with stuff that I have to pay extra for. Got to go, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. Bye, friends. And we'll leave you with this just one more time. And I appreciate the World Economic Forum providing me the opportunity to be on this stage and say, fuck you, Klaus Schwab, and fuck your new world order. We, the people, were born free. We will stay free. And you and all of your globalist friends, including everyone in this room, can go fuck yourself. Isn't that great? I love it. (laughs) Scientists now say that the largest ever primate died out due to a diet change. Here's what happened. He switched to keto and wouldn't shut up about it, and everybody killed him. (laughs) Some sports news on Saturday. Peacock aired the Chiefs-Dolphins playoff game, and they announced that it was the most streamed event in U.S. history. Of course, the record will be shattered when the Super Bowl airs on 2B. news, the world's biggest cruise ship, the Icon of the Seas, is set to begin its maiden voyage later this month. Yeah, this thing is massive. It's like the Mall of America in that it's full of people from Minneapolis. (laughs) 